It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Carson Ray. Hey everybody, it's a great day to talk about X-Wing. And John McDermott. Hello, hello. We are back this week with another entry in our Essential Starfighter series, the series that will probably endure, I think, through the length of uh, our podcast, because there's a lot of ships to get through here. Yeah, and... And, you know, we're probably not going to just do um, all the ships, you know, straight for like two years, uh, because that is how many ships there are, probably. Um, but we're really having quite a bit of fun looking at you know really different ships and, and diving into those. And that is uh, no difference today. We got we got quite a unique one to talk about. Yeah, so this week we decided we're trying to like switch between ship types and switch between factions here so we can get a good sampling across all seven factions. So this week we decided we're going to focus on the VT-49 Decimator, uh, a large base battleship. Um, And this one is, um, you know, if there's a stark difference between the last two ships we talked about, this again creates a stark difference when you're talking about small base and medium base ships that are kind of like your basic starfighters versus a battleship, which is like a super type in X-Wing, functions very differently than the other ship types. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that VT-49 Decimator, absolutely a classic battleship. And so just really excited to dive in and talk about it. Yeah, so uh, let's dive in. So it's always good to start kind of going over the basics of the ship. If you haven't seen it for a while or you don't play the Imperial Faction, this is a uh, the Decimator is a large base uh, battleship that's got three attack dice and a bowtie mobile firing arc. No agility dice, so if you shoot at this thing, it's probably going to take some damage. But thankfully, it's got a lot of hit points, 12 hull and four shields, along with a, a good selection of actions, obviously a white focus and lock action. You've got the white reinforce and white rotate action. And then you've got a red coordinate action for a little bit of support. All in all, this is like a pretty well-balanced action bar for a large base ship. You know, you usually see kind of a couple of those, I guess we call them standard actions, and then, you know, some support thing, whether it's jam or coordinate. Um, this thing's got some pretty good options, you know, having that option to focus or lock that's white. Um, and that reinforces huge because, you know, they have no agility. And even though they have 16 hit points, You know, depending on what your opponent's shooting at you, those can disappear pretty quick. So having that reinforce option really helps. Yeah, it also synergizes with some of the pilot abilities. The red coordinate's nice too, and if you really want to get, you know, put more of a focus on supporting, you can always throw a tactical officer on the ship because it's got plenty of crew slots for that uh, to change that red or actually not change the red coordinate, add a white coordinate to your action bar. So um, this ship is definitely a battleship, so that's one of the ship types we've talked about before. If you're interested in more specifics about battleships, we go over all that in episode 215 of Radio TCX. But we'll kind of give you the abridged version here so we can know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, the name sort of says it all. These are, you know, not your little fighters. We're bringing, you know, a much more substantial threat with a battleship. And, of course, that comes at a much higher point cost. These decimators are uh, rather expensive, especially when you're looking at the named pilots. Uh, But you get a lot with that point cost. Obviously, good attack dice. You know, we have this bowtie turret so we can... Uh, make sure our arc is always pointed where the targets are. Um, and then for me, I think 
um, you know, one of these big characteristics of a battleship is that consistency and survivability. And I think that's particularly true with the decimator and, and why it is, I think, really appealing to a lot of players is actually that zero agility. You know, I don't have to worry about whether or not my green dice are going to fail me if I don't ever have to roll green dice. <laughs> I just have those 16 hit points and, you know, I'm just going to use those. And when they're up, they're up. Um, but that's kind of how many shots I can take, right? Yeah, I think that's uh, part of the survivability is built in. It's more of a time thing. I think we talked about that when we talked about battleships as a whole, but their survivability is kind of a number of turns thing. It's not a question of rolling defense dice, obviously, because you don't have any, right? Um, so having the 16 hit points, sure, every time you get shot, you're probably going to take damage. But with that many hit points, you have kind of a countdown then of like, okay, how many turns am I going to get with this ship to do the damage I need? Um, and the nice thing is, you know, one of the reasons that this ship does have a higher cost is that it's kind of taking the place of probably multiple other ships. So um, it needs to be able to endure a little bit longer. The benefit of having a high hit point, even with low agility, is that you're going to take a bunch of shots, but that's not going to affect your attack output. So you're still going to be able to put out the same attack power turn after turn. Whereas if you're running with a smaller ship and that thing goes off the board, like, you know, three damage on a TIE Fighter, you no longer have those two attack dice. So that takes away from your firepower. Three damage on a Decimator is still hitting just as hard. Right. I mean, well, you can't compare, like, one Decimator to one TIE Fighter, right? Because with their point cost, you're probably getting, like, three or four TIE Fighters um, with your Decimator. So you have to kind of think about it like that. And if you think about, okay, my Decimator is like a block of four TIE Fighters that block of four TIE Fighters is at half damage. Well, I only have two TIE Fighters left, right? Whereas when my Decimator is at half damage, I still have all that same game impact of that Decimator, right? I have its offense. Um, I have all the action efficiency I've built in with the upgrades. It's, it's all there still on the table impacting the board. And that's really like the big appeal of the battleship. Yes, it's going to be there for a while because it has all those hit points, um, but also because it's kind of multiple ships grouped up into one just as far as its impact on the table you get that full impact until it's completely removed and that's definitely going to affect how you play it obviously the comparison i think to the little block of tie fighters does make a lot of sense there's a huge drop off there obviously in that if you line up your four tie fighters they can roll a lot more attack dice than the decimator is good is going to with its one shot um, but at the same time, you're going to play it a little bit differently then, right? With the TIE Fighters, you're going to be striving very much to get them all to line up their arc so they can all shoot at a target and really utilize that attack power. Um, the board presence of the Decimator makes it a little different. It can get in there and block, force ships to bump into it. It's got the bow tie firing arc, so it has more directions it can shoot, a little harder to arc dodge. But there's also some trade-offs, too, where, um, you know, action efficiency is really important. And when you have uh, one ship versus, like, the block of four TIE Fighters, um, you're getting fewer actions, right? So you'll get your one standard action with the Decimator, whereas you get four actions, potentially, with the TIE Fighters. So battleships need ways to compensate for that action efficiency. So the way they do that is by using upgrades. Because usually battleships have a decent amount of upgrade slots, and the Decimator is no exception. Yeah, this ship has just an absolute full suite of really good upgrade slots. I mean, you know, looking at it, you've got three crew slots, which is super good because there are so many good Imperial and generic crew options out there to potentially kit out your Decimator with. Um, it's got access to the gunner slot. Again, same thing. It's got the device slot. It's got a mod slot, title. Uh, it can take torpedoes, which I feel like you don't see super often, but it's got that option. So just like a complete breadth of 
really good upgrade slots and really good options to put on this thing, you know, that give it really good support abilities or just better offense or defense power. Um, and I mean, sure, you're, you're paying the price for it because the better stuff is more expensive, but you've already invested so much into your battleship anyway. And that's kind of just a, a signature point of that ship type is you're usually investing a, a decent amount of points into it just to make it that much more powerful. Okay, John, what is that first upgrade you want to put on your decimator? What's when you're building your decimator, what's what is your kind of starting point? And is it the fifth brother slot? Uh no, I always start with the Dauntless title. Mm. As as yeah, I mean Tim had mentioned before, like this is a large base ship. Um it's not incredibly fast. It does have a four white straight. Um, which is pretty good, but a lot of the time you're going to see this ship either getting blocked or blocking things. Um, that Dauntless card is really good for when it gets blocked because it allows you to still take actions. So if that means you need to rotate your arc to keep a ship that you didn't bump you know, in arc, uh, you can do that, or you can take a reinforce and give yourself that defensive ability. Um, yeah, I always start with Dauntless. It's only four points. It's a pretty easy include, I feel like. Dauntless is fantastic, but I think the real flexibility that comes with this ship it comes in the form of those crew and gunner slots because there's just so many diverse options you can throw into those slots that you can really kit out your decimator any way you want to. If you want to do more of the offensive focus, there's a lot of great gunner and crew options to help your offensive power. Or if you want to switch towards more of a support thing, um, there's plenty of cards that will let you you know, share tokens. You can do Palpatine to share the force tokens with friendly ships. Um, you can do things like a tactical officer to give you that white coordinate. If you want it to be really meme you can put four Force Chargers on this thing, which I think is just really funny. <laughs> that, I just like that, too, because I feel like there's a threshold of when you can't use the Force anymore, and I think that's definitely four for this ship, because I don't know what you'd do with that. See, Tim, that mindset is why you fail. You, you can always <laughs> use all of that Force. You'll find a way, I suppose. It's like Palpatine said, unlimited power. All right, so let's look at these pilots. We got, you know, not too many options, but they're all kind of perfect, right? That They're all filling different roles, and you can kind of get exactly the decimator you want with these limited pilot options. I would just like to point out, I feel like we've described the other two ships' pilots that same way. Like, there aren't many, but they're all perfect. Okay, fine. <laughs> they suck. They're garbage. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem, Carson. I'm just making a point. It's no, okay. that's that's actually a really good point. Um, I'm a broken record. Um, I think our problem is we keep picking ships that only have a very limited amount of selections. Once we get over to like X-Wing or something or the RZ-2A, we're going to have too many pilots to count. Yeah. Um, Every ship in the game is perfect. That's just it. It's a perfect perfectly game. balanced. Everything's well, equally no, playable. Because if you look at like the TIE FOs, like, that's not true, right? There's a ton of pilots and you only care about some of them, right? That's true. Um, Rude. I care about all of them. <laughs> they're all my children well let's talk about the pilots on the decimator good idea uh what what i want to talk about because i very much misinterpreted how good it was was more a key so this is one that came out in the uh pilot booster pack thing we got a little while ago hot shots and aces is that's what it was called yes yep Okay, Morna Key, really interesting, comes with three charges, um, and she's got the ability, during the end phase, you may spend one charge to flip your reinforced token to the other full arc instead of removing it. So basically, if you set your reinforced to the front, at the end phase, you can spend a charge and flip it to the back. Um, and I thought, okay, this is okay, I guess, like, in certain edge scenarios, like, you'll want to engage, set it to the front, and then next turn, you want it to the back, because you'll be moving. 
Um, I did not think about having two reinforced tokens out at the same time if you set this up right. Yeah, that's like the most defensive this ship can get. I think, was it Andrew LaTorell that called you out and like, Tim, you're wrong. This is really good. And rightfully so. I was very much wrong, as I often am. Um, no, this is great because... So if you're like setting up an engagement there and you know you're coming into a lot of ships, sometimes that's unavoidable. Um, before you, the turn where you engage, you just throw down like a rear reinforce. At the end of that phase, you flip it to the front, and then next turn you move forward and do another front reinforce so that you can cancel up to two um, hit results, right, if there's a lot coming in at you, which is huge. Like That could swing a whole turn even if you're not doing damage. Swing a whole game for you. It's pretty good. Right. I mean, when you have 16 hit points and you're really stacking up those reinforces, you know, if you're able to really cancel your opponent's, you know, first uh, big salvo and they only get to do like one damage with each attack, you know, that just puts them like substantially behind in that damage race. And, and then you get to take off a few of their ships, you know, in the next few turns and they might not even ever have the firepower left to finish off uh, Morniki once you're out of those reinforced charges. Um, and, and so there's the double stacking reinforced that's great, but there's also the, I'm coming in for that approach, going to reinforce the front, and then the next turn, flip it to the rear and um, move past your opponent, right? And, and and so there you get to kind of do the drive-by approach with your decimator and, you know, have both sides covered the turn that you need those sides covered it just yeah it makes the damage trade-off really interesting because i feel like when i'm playing against a decimator and i have to decide targets okay do i shoot at the little side swarm of tie fighters here might be able to kill some of them or do i shoot at the decimator oftentimes like you know oh the decimator is a good option i know i'll put damage through but if i take that option away from me where with a double reinforce like four shots with two to three hits each just become four total damage um that's really good that's that's amazing that's basically a whole wasted round for your opponent yeah i'm actually like i didn't realize how cheap morna key was i mean i figured she wouldn't cost more than your admiral cheer now but i mean if you kind of think about it like if each of those charges costs one point basically right like she's just a 72 point ship and at initiative four with that ability like that's pretty good like that's arguably like the most affordable option for the decimators right just think about how many like hole upgrades that is what about you carson which which pilot do you like i mean i i like Warnicky, but we do have to talk about i think the one that you see the most um and that's definitely the more offensive one, um, the Rear Admiral Chernu, uh, or you'll hear it called a rack a lot uh, because people are lazy. <laughs> Chernu is a hard name to say. <laughs> right. Uh, well, in three words, you know, that's that's hard. That's, that's too many words to speak. But here, this is a cool pilot ability as well where we get to use those reinforced actions and turn them into um, offensive action efficiency. Yeah, so uh, Rack's ability, while you perform an attack, if you are reinforced and the defender's in your full forward arc or full rear arc matching their reinforced token, you may change one of your focus results into a critical result. This ability is really good. Um, it, I mean, it's a little different from how his ability worked in first edition, but um, just I think any ability that gives you free crit modification like that is like incredible. So I mean, if you pair this guy with Fifth Brother... 
I mean, you could potentially be getting two crits per shot, um, which is great because with this, you know, higher offensive output, you know, you're probably going to get damage through when you're shooting at a smaller target. So um, it's pretty good. And I think Rack here is actually a pretty good example of a pilot that you don't need to sink a lot of points into to be good. Like a couple upgrades on this guy and he's set. Yeah, Rack kind of does everything well that a Decimator can do, and um, I think it's nice to take away the decision point, because a lot of times when you're de deciding to reinforce, um, that's a trade you're making for offensive output, and this just takes that away. So I don't have to decide, oh, do I want to hit hard or do I want to be defensive? I can do both with Rear Admiral Cheer now. I also think you can't diminish that he comes in at Initiative 5, because even if you want to you know, throw a Tactical Officer or do the occasional Red Coordinate, doing that later in the activation cycle is a lot more valuable. Well, and also doing the jam later in the activation cycle is more valuable. Um, and just having ships move so that Rack can have clear lanes um, to maneuver. What I like about Rear Admiral Chirnu and Mornikey there is that, you know, you did touch on that a bit. They do sort of teach you, how should I be playing this Decimator? And that's really leaning on that reinforce action. There is that trade-off of, oh, I want um, to have offensive output. Um, but, you know, with Rear Admiral Chernu, we're getting that offensive output while also being defensive and more in a key. You know, I can set that up the turn before and then use my action for an offensive mod if I want um, as well. And so you really want both, right? You want to be reinforcing and have um, those mods to deal some damage. And it's it's great that, you know, these pilots help you do both and i think that's the appeal and that's why you're spending more points on them so john why is your favorite pick here patrol leader <laughs> i'm assuming it is right it is i mean as much as i like the ability that captain oiken has um i feel like the patrol leader definitely sees more play and i mean for a good reason it's it's a 67 point ship base which compared to other battleships i'd say is pretty affordable um and it's really good as an option to load out with those support crew and gunner upgrades and then run with kind of a swarm of generics. So you could run it with, we've seen tile N fighters. I think we've seen maybe some aggressor swarms, um, some generic interceptors and you know, you don't have to sink a lot of points into those generics. So you can kind of fill in how many extra ones you want. And then from there you can upgrade your patrol leader. And I mean, while you see, I think, you know, rear Admiral cheer now, and like more in a key, more with maybe another decimator or an ace. Um, the patrol leader here is very much, I think, dedicated to kind of that more support role for a mini swarm or a swarm of ships, um, and still giving you that extra offensive output as well. Yeah, I mean, Rear Admiral Cheer now and Mornikey both have great pilot abilities, but you do shave a lot of points off when you switch down to just the patrol leader. And if the main focus of your list is kind of the, you know, raw benefits of having a decimator, the patrol leader is a much better option because that nine points can convert into a lot of really good upgrades. Right. I think, and I mean, you see this a lot with other generics too, right? Like obviously they're usually the lower, lower initiatives on the scale and the patrol leader comes in at initiative two, um, which again is nice because a lot of like really strong imperial generics come in either you know at two or three or maybe four so you know you've got that large base and it's going to be moving at a somewhat similar time as a lot of your other ships in your list so it's pretty easy to keep it out of your own way and then still have you know options with your swarm or you know you're keeping your swarm out of your way so that this thing can come in and punch somebody pretty hard and it's it's a good flexible generic battleship 
Uh, I do think that's an interesting point that you made there, John, where, you know, because this is a large base ship, um, it can definitely get in your own way. And, you know, making sure you're setting up your list in a way where you can account for that and setting up your deployment in a way you can account for that, I think is really important when you're playing uh, the Decimator or any of these uh, large base battleships. Because you do want to bring them in the fight, um, but they can, you know, make that difficult for all your other ships to join in. I think one of the things that kind of helps mitigate that with just the Decimator in general, I don't think we really talked about it yet, is that, you know, because most of those actions are white, uh, it's got a pretty good dial. Like, there's only one red move on that dial, and it's the one hard, which it's incredible that this thing even has a one hard, but yeah. um, for the most part, it's, like, all white and blue. So you're not really stressing yourself to get around. And if you need to, I mean, you can bug out for a turn or you can force bumps and not have to worry about being stressed for a later turn. You know, and then if you have that Dauntless title, you can still take an action and then maybe clear it with a one straight. And then if you bump again, you still get an action. So it's uh, it's pretty good. It's got a lot of options. I mean, you can't... I mean, it's a, it's it's amazing that this large base ship has access to both a one hard turn and a white four straight, because that's just some insane flexibility on that dial. Well, here at Radio TCX, we're always trying to learn and improve. Um, I think this podcast is a good example of that, that... Uh, we're constantly trying to improve things. And we actually got a suggestion from a listener and Patreon supporter, Dan McCabe. And he was asking if we could, when we do these episodes, include examples of some lists that kind of emphasize the ideas we're talking about and what, about what makes this ship unique. So we actually have a couple of lists for you this week, so you can put this into practice. Right. I mean, we, we don't really do this show um, entirely just to hear ourselves talk. You know, it that's a big part of it. really though. more for you. Um, and so, you know, if you know there's an improvement you want to see let us know we can we can guess um as much as we we don't want like what we think the listeners want to hear but um you know it helps when you let us know all right so let's uh let's look at some examples here some lists that kind of uh show off what we're talking about with the decimator yeah so this first one that i put in here is one that i've played or at least a variation of one that i've played um, comes out to 199 points, um, and it does include that generic decimator, the patrol leader, um, with just a couple upgrades. So it's got Admiral Sloan, which gives you some of that stress control. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Sloan, um, when uh, another ship is destroyed uh, from 0 to 3, the defender, um, sorry, not the defender, the attacker gets two stress tokens. Um, and then when a ship is attacking a stressed defender, uh, they can reroll dice for those stress tokens. So it's a really good both offensive and defensive upgrade there. Um, and then you pair that with the death troopers. So enemy ships at range 0 to 1 can't remove stress tokens if you do get your decimator in there. And then, of course, that dauntless title to make sure you get actions even if you bump, which, I mean, if you're a low initiative, there's a pretty good chance that you will. Um and then that kind of rounds out with five Academy Pilot tile and fighters as your kind of mini swarm. So one of the reasons I really like this list, John, is because um, it really helps counteract some of the weaknesses you experience with these lower initiative lists where, you know, you have initiative just two and one here. So oftentimes that means you're really susceptible to arc dodging aces and higher initiative ships that can just move in, stay out of your firing arcs and put some damage through on you. Um, having Admiral Sloan there penalizing high initiative aces so that when they destroy something, they get double stressed. Um, that's a death sentence for um, a lot of aces there where they're going to have to miss out at least a full turn of actions. And then if you're close enough with death troopers, it's going to be 
multiple turns, that's plenty of time to get those TIE Fighters in position and take down those aces. Well, and good luck, too, if you get an ace double stressed and it has to try to bug out. Like, Depending on where you are on the table, you can have a pretty good idea of where they're going to go. You just rotate your mobile arc with that decimator to that direction, and then uh, you're, you're getting shots on that ship, and it can't do anything because it can't take tokens. And there's a lot of ways you could spice up this list and, and shake it up there. I think Admiral Sloan's a great upgrade on this ship. Um, but you can you know do some tweaks here. You put a different emphasis. You can run different generics at different quantities. Um, so this is just a really good example of how you could um, really focus on the efficiency of the decimator, utilizing its many crew slots and just kind of the raw um, statistical advantages it brings. Well, and also just its staying power, right? When you play Admiral Sloan, you want Admiral Sloan to be on the board as long as possible. And you know that's going to be your opponent's main target. And so let's put it on this big 16 hit point ship, right? Absolutely. And it makes shooting those smaller targets a much harder decision. Because like, do I want to kill this and be double stressed? The answer is no, but you're going to have to do it because that's how the game works. You got to get points. You got to win. All right, Carson, you've gone the other direction, though, with your decimator build. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, said, okay, let's... Let's go the other extreme. Let's get a battleship and an ace, you know, focus on two endgame pieces that are, you know, not efficient. We're going to have, a, um, you know, really test the upgrade limit on this decimator. Uh, so we have Rear Admiral Chernu with, um, you know, three force slots. Uh, well, really four slots, but we're getting three force out of them. We got Palpatine, Darth Vader, and Fifth Brother. Uh, I really like Palpatine on the Decimator where we have all these upgrade slots and we can kind of pay the price of, you know, using those multiple slots for, you know, not having to spend as many points necessarily for that ability. Um, we get the force and uh, we can pass that force off to our our ace friend who needs it at some point. Uh, plus, you just get the critical damage output of Darth Vader and Fifth Brother, which is great. Then, of course, we have that Dauntless title. Got to have that. And then just shield upgrade and intimidation there. A um, little bit more staying power and um, you know, giving you some flexibility for when you do bump as well. Yeah, and then for that ace to pair with um, Chirinu, we have Soontir. It's got Predator, shield upgrade, stealth device. So got more hit points plus that extra agility. You know, we can use our evade token or focus plus pair that with Palpatine. Um, hopefully dodge a lot of attacks uh, with that for agility. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, there's a, kind of a debate, I think, between using stealth device versus using a hull upgrade and how do you want to invest those points. In a lot of cases, I'm more tw more inclined towards the reliability of a hull upgrade, but in this case, with uh, Palpatine and all that force over on Rear Admiral Cheer now, Palpatine letting you basically share the force when Soonterfell's defending, I think having the extra agility die from stealth device is a better choice here. I like it just because that's how I fly him. I've always <laughs> used stealth device on my soon tier. I think it's really good. I mean, he can double token up, and like you said, with that palp support too. Yeah, you're probably not going to lose that stealth device very quick. I, I like this list too because it kind of does what um, ace battleship lists do really well, which is like neither of these is a great 
target for your opponent if they focus in on Rear Admiral Shira now. That just gives Sunter infinite time to move in and just do some really heavy attacks with Predator and all the tokens. And if they choose to focus on Sunter, well, Rear Admiral Shira now is going to hit pretty hard. He can get in there with Dauntless and Intimidation to mess up your opponent and reduce their agility. And being able to share the force then and keep Sunter alive, um, those attacks on Sunter might not do anything anyway. Right. My ideal game plan there is to you know use Suntir as bait a bit so that um, Chirnu has a good approach and can start dealing damage um, without too many shots back and then um, you know when they do change priority to Chirnu then that's when you bring Suntir in and your goal here is um, probably to lose your decimator right it's how do I trade my decimator for most of their list um, and then I have my um, interceptor there to close out the game so these are just a couple uh broad scale examples of lists you could build with the decimator we want to hear what lists you run with the decimator though so let us know on our facebook page uh how you like to load out your decimator what you like to pair it with uh, overall though this ship is solid i mean it's a really great example of a super durable battleship just that obscene amount of hit points and a ton of crew options uh lets you kit this thing out any way you want yeah, there's really not a bad part of this ship. Like, if I was forced to choose one, it would probably just be the cost. And even then, like, that's not terrible. Um, but just the breadth of options you have, upgrading this thing and how you want to put it in your list, um, just just a really great piece for what is obviously the best faction in the game. <laughs> obviously. Um, well, okay, and, and really quick, you know, 1 to 10, how, how cool looking is this ship? Uh, I'm going to go with a, a solid 9. It's pretty good. I think eight. I like the ones that are modded with like the Raider foils and then the engine. So they just look <laughs> <Yes>. massive. Like those are <laughs> those, so cool. Those get a 10 I feel every like time. The Decimator is like absolutely one of the best looking models in the, in this whole, whole range. It's a chonky boy. Uh, it just, it's just like got a really intimidating presence. The command deck looks great. And I just always get exasperated too when I see it on the table and I'm like, I have to do how much damage? <sighs> All right. Here we go. Especially when it's like on the epic stand, it's up really high. Like, oh, that's the only cool. way to fly it for it's sure. The high ground stand every time. Gotta have the yeah, high ground. Gotta have the high ground. <laughs> that's why I fly all my small bases with 19 pegs. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Please consider going on iTunes and leaving the show a five star review saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. Thank you to everyone who's already supported the show. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. It's a